Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us, friends, at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Coming up on this episode of The Gifted Life. We'll talk about how one of the best ways of communicating grief is right at our fingertips. And we'll also be talking about how we can bring more hope into our lives. All that and more right here on The Gifted Life. Hang on. On The Gifted Life, I'm going to reintroduce you to someone you hear every time you click on The Gifted Life lately, and we are going to talk to Miss Nyla Schwab in depth. In depth. Don't you love it, Nyla? Are you excited about it? No, I'm scared. <laughs> been so excited all day. <laughs> we have a reason. We have a point, um, yes. but we have to rib you a little bit, Nyla. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And just for our listeners, and some, some of you guys may you know tune in recently, more recently, and Nyla's been on The Gifted Life uh, for quite some time now and she was even uh, one of the guest hosts earlier on uh, but she's been with Lopa for 15 plus years plus, off and yes, on yeah and uh, of course she she worked in a lot of different areas uh, one of which was family as a family advocate supporting families through that acute stage of grief and helping through the donation process and she also worked as a hospital liaison in, in Baton Rouge to help educate physicians and and nurses and other hosp- uh, hospital employees about the, the importance of donation. And then, of course, most recently in our family services department, which she worked in what we call aftercare, but essentially it's it's helping them through that grief journey for their first year to year and a half to two years or whatever. And, of course, she's not doing that just you know because we like her. Of course, we do like her. We, we love, love her. her. We love her. <laughs> we love her. We love her. But, but it's, it's because she does have a background in counseling. Her, her official title is a PLPC, which I just learned, and I've always knew. <laughs> I was going to say you did a very words, good job, Jeff. <laughs> but it's a provisional licensed professional counselor, and and she's who we all go to. Uh, you know, even even those in our inner circle as uh, the go-to to keep encouragement and hope and everything else. Uh, right in front of us. So. I said we need to buy her a couch because everybody goes in her office and we just <laughs> yeah. sit and we're like, we're just wait, wait until you can talk to us so we can get some encouragement and some hope. Gosh, <laughs> this is such great encouragement for me. <laughs> I love listening to how y'all say it. In my head, it doesn't come out like that in my life, but thank you. And then I do have to just, can I tell a side story? Mm-hmm. So we do these Path of Remembrances across the state of Louisiana as a way to honor our donor heroes and we invite families and cousins and some of them use it as a a family reunion and and things like that so our most recent we were in baton rouge and we were kind of picking up it was the end um of that session and this lady and this precious baby walked in and she i'm sorry i'm late i had to do this whatever we're like no no You, you came in plenty of time we still have goodies that are out we still have plenty of time to do what it is that you need to do and so Nyla came in and you know we swoop around and we take care of our families and let let us show you like we still have time to do to everything you needed to do and she goes I'm so glad she said I was just kind of struggling today and um but I'm here and I'm here with Nyla and we're like yeah you're here with Nyla because Nyla's right here but Nyla was her baby she was holding a baby named Nyla and she was named after 
our Nyla because you guys had crossed paths. But if she wouldn't have come at the time that she came, we would have probably not been able to have the conversation that we had and to learn that significant piece of information. So it was like light bulb moment for everyone. And I know you're. Oh, so I was able to be there, but her face when we all learned, right? Isn't that great? Precious baby. Well, I tell you, and and I don't think she named her daughter after me, but I will go with that because I love that story. But I mean, I think that (laughs) she said like. We did have some beautiful conversations because she had experienced a loss and then she um, her baby came into this world and she she, she was loved pregnant the while name. y'all were talking. Yeah. yeah. And she loved the name Nyla. And I have loved that name. And so to know that that there is another Nyla running around, <laughs> you know, it just oh, it makes me so happy. And then Nyla said, really cool. can we hug? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but that mom was so well-spoken so about her grief journey yes. um, and, and said that just communications with Nyla helped her to be able to process some of that and to move forward. And I thought, I was so glad I was there uh, to listen to that because when you started on your educational journey, you said this is going to be a long road ahead. And we were able to watch you at every step. And you were just so chipper, and you're going to do it. And you're here, and you're helping all these families, and you're helping us learn. So we just think that's so, so great. So we're ready to learn okay. from you. Okay. Now, don't let us down, and no pressure. But <laughs> so that much. was kind of our intro for you. <laughs> Thank you. Working with Lopa has been my second family. And I, I am always so appreciative, because I don't even know that we had a community department when I first started here. So I even did some community jumping in. I mean, we I think jumped- it was just living back then because yeah. I was I was in TV news and yeah. uh, and, I and she would come and sit and she would just wait and she said I just want to talk about donation so if you have a minute um, and, and I thought that was that was great and so to see where we've come pretty mm-hmm. amazing and, it, and it's so beautiful that how we are together and we come into this role because I don't think any like I think our children will but I did not grow up and say oh I want to go work for an organ procurement agency mm-hmm. I mean I had to I kind of fell into that position and I think so many of us did and then I think you were guided to us yeah I I do too and but then you come in and you meet these families like at the path for remembrance and they change you Mm -hmm. their stories their heroes their loved ones the recipients we meet I always feel like I've run into people on a you know often and my friends are and they're like how do you do that every day and I'm like, how do you not do it? I mean, it is such a beautiful place where we work as far as we get to see life. And then we are invited into the space of loss. And then for the families that continue through volunteering and attending events, we get to then continue on their journey with them if they allow us into that story. And I am huge about stories, which kind of leads into what we're going to be talking about today is writing. And so y'all stay with me, but I I didn't know what direction to go with this. So I'm going to start kind of broad like the forest, and then I'm going to narrow my my discussion to a little more, to more like a path in the forest. But um, so writing, like what does that have to do with this podcast? And I think first, I've never even thought about it. So I Googled this. I can't say for a fact, but it looks like on Google that writing first came around like in the early 3000 BC. Didn't know that. I know. That sounds about right. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact. um, 
but so why do we write? And if you think about to communicate, to teach, to connect, to share ideas, you know, if we have young listeners, communication through through writing is different than what it looked like for me mm-hmm. growing up, going through school. I'll tell you a funny story. So when Lopez said, hey, are you, you going to go back and get your your mental health counseling degree? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great, where my journey began with mm-hmm. school. And I'm much older. I was like, this would be so much fun. And it was it was so, so hard this age. <laughs> anyway, so, but I was sitting in class one time, and I had a notebook, and that's all I brought in. I mean, I owned a laptop. I owned a computer, but I brought my notebook and pen. And I'm sitting on the front row, and um, all these young people start coming in and opening their laptops. And I'm looking around like everybody has a laptop. <laughs> so I whispered to the professor across the room, and I was like, hey, do, do I need a laptop? And she goes, no, no, I don't even like those. Your brain um, learns much better when you're writing, and I would prefer everybody just to write. And I, and I felt like all eyes oh, on you. Me. Messed oh, you messed up the curve. I know. Oh, the curve and for the all class. The, all the young there goes the old lady in the front. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but you know, at that when I was thinking about what we're going to talk about, it was I thought that brought me back to that. I was horrified, and I worked really hard to try to connect with everybody in my class because I was the oldest. Because I'm sorry, I did this too. <laughs> but no, everybody's allowed to bring their laptop. But maybe I get extra points for you know always bringing my notebook. But yeah, so writing, and you know, when I started thinking about this, I, I came across a story about an EMT and. Um, paramedic EMT and I read through it and he talked about how one of his cases that really stuck with him was bringing a child to the to the ER and along the way he had worked with the parents and he saw their faces he saw the child's face and he just saw like he just experienced it with them and he said I don't know why it was that I connected with that family they saw the connection that the EMT had with this family and so as they were leaving, they called them back and said, hey, y'all, y'all might want to come back. And, and the child did not survive. You know, they worked with the, the family and, and they shared their, their condolences. And he said he went home and he said what he felt and what he experienced, he couldn't describe. He couldn't share. He didn't know what it was. And he said it wasn't until years later that he realized that it was, um, it was grief. And grieving is how we process. So there's so many ways. And sometimes we just need to avoid the pain in a healthy way. Um, but there, like, like Joey said, right at our fingertips, we have a tool that helps us process. It helps our brains process. It helps our hearts process. And with grieving, we have to, we have to we have to do sometimes. And so using a pen and paper to write can be so helpful. I have to have the right pen, though. Like, I like to have my paper. I like to have my different color pens. I like to have them with different tips on them. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. You know, back in the day, you used to have that big one that had all the different colors yeah, on the top. Exactly. And I thought I was the bee's knees <laughs> if I could get that. That and my trapper keeper. But, you know, it brings. And so you don't even have to be grieving to write, but it allows us to express ourselves. So one reason we want to write, so we were going to kind of talk about that. But before, I want to say Harvard Medical School came out with something that said, hey, writing helps with grief. 
And the reason is, so you sit down to write, and it can bring up very hard emotions. It can bring up tears. But as you work through that, it is allowing your brain to help process. And so um, I do talk to clients, and I, and, I, and I ask, have you cried? You know, when do you when do you cry about any, you know, because crying is good for us. It goes to a part of our brain that helps us process what we're, what we're upset about. It also brings us into the parasympathetic um, uh, nervous system, which calms us down. So after a good cry, I am, I mean, like my, my nose swell. I haven't had one in a long time, but, but my nose swells. I am, I'm just, but you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And that's allowing your body to take get stuff out. Now, I didn't do a whole lot of research, but there is some thought that tears of emotions are the only tears that actually have toxins in it. Because when we carry grief, it's heavy, it's real, and it hurts. And our whole body experiences that. So this by no means, when I say writing is good for grief or is helpful with grief, um, that you may need more than that. You may need someone to help you process that. You may, whether it's your family, a safe place, um, or a, a therapist, a mental health expert, um, that might be what you need, or peer to peer. So, but writing is a coping skill that's very, very helpful. Um, how writing helps us is just it gives us that safe place that I mentioned, but it helps us. It helps us sort through conflicting emotions. So I've had so many families say they're proud that their loved one was a donor and they're they're grateful that their loved one was a donor. But at the same time, they they struggle because it's their loss. So how mm-hmm. do you hold these two emotions at the same time? Mm-hmm. And some people don't feel like you can, but you can. You can hate and love at the same time. You can be angry and happy at the same time. But it it takes time to work through that. Um writing down your thoughts and feelings about yourself and your loved one. So when I used to work with families, when they were saying yes to donation or no to donation, I would encourage that they they write to their loved one. Um, what do you remember? What were some special moments that we shared? Because it's hard to say goodbye at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so how do you ask a family to walk away from their loved one at the hospital? And so even allowing a family to write while they're sitting next to their loved one to express that, because sometimes words are hard to find. And we're going to talk about different ways to write when you don't know what the words are that you want to write. But um, another way is sharing deeply with your loved one and acknowledging to your loved one the things you need them to hear. Um ex- you know, sometimes families have regrets. I mean, I have regrets. Well, honestly, I have regrets all the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, but to to hold that when you can't share it anymore, those are things that you can express to your loved one. Or just on paper that you never have to give to anyone. And another disclosure, anytime you write something down, you have to be careful. If it's something you don't want it to be seen, where that privacy lays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people want to use their computers, and that's something that, you know, is it's it's good too. It's it's you've got to find what works for you. These are just thoughts, and it's to make you curious, because that story back to the EMT, he didn't know what that was that he carried until he said, "This is grief," and we all carry it. So I, I hope that this will make anyone and everyone curious about the things that we come up against in life, things that life throws at us. A loss doesn't always mean the death of a loved one, although that's what we really f- we're focusing on. But the loss of, you know, if your home burns, um, floods, we've had so pets. many pets, <clears throat> mm-hmm. a job, 
Um, so many things. And, you know, for a, for an eight-year-old who has big emotions anyway, because they're learning their emotions, a best friend, losing a friendship. Mm-hmm. So all of these things affect us age appropriate too. So that, that loss of a friend could be just as powerful as a 25-year-old's dog who's been their best friend for 14 years. And it's allowing someone to find ways to express that hurt so they don't hold it or compartmentalize it or stuff it because you don't want to get stuck. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to pause, but we want, there's this life ahead of us that we want to keep moving forward. Um, And we will talk a little bit more about healing, but uh, seeing clearly through your thoughts and feelings, because sometimes what we feel or what we think is really the only way we see it because we're looking through our own lens. Mm -hmm. So it'd be like, Lori, if you're wearing pink glasses and I'm wearing orange glasses and Joey's wearing brown, like the shades, how we see things is just going to look different. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just sharing what you're feeling on paper. Um, I had a client once uh, that came in with this beautiful, beautiful letter written. And the way she saw it, it was so much hurt and pain and and I heard it so differently. And I said, do you like, do you want a perspective or do we stop here? And she said, no, I want to, I want to hear what you see. And I said, well, I mean, like we were able to find her strengths through the struggle she had gone through that she hadn't even recognized. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, hard to find. Yeah. Hard to see. So sometimes letting someone read what you write allows you, you're inviting them into this place that they may need someone to step in so they don't feel alone. Um, another thing is like de- uh, developing um, an understanding of what you're pushing down. Loss can leave you sometimes just completely confused. Um, it can feel lonely and you can be in a room full of people and you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to say. So sometimes just starting to write can help you uh, put some... I don't know, structure around it. Uh, Making room for other thoughts and feelings. Sometimes there's a chapter closed and a new chapter opening, whether this is five years out after a loss or, you know, I talk to parents so often who will say, I I have to keep living because I have other children, but I don't want to live. So they have a lot to process Mm -hmm. because they've got this support and joy they have to give to someone else. And then yet they're trying to find their own stability through this this um, brokenness. And I've seen some of that, like the, that was a great example on, on social media. And we have a, a donor mom who um, she said thanks to social media because she keeps posting videos of her daughter singing or doing something silly or all that. And then she writes what she feels seeing that again a year later five months out, yeah. those kinds of things. So it's kind of like what you're what you're talking about. And she says, it may be hard for you to read this and you may want to stop following me, but this is how I'm Expressing. processing. Yes, they have to process. Yeah. And you know, I have um, families that say they text. They still mm-hmm. hang on. They pay for the phone oh, yeah. because they need to text because they text it every day. So those are all ways that it, it, when I say writing, it doesn't have to be with pen and paper. There is research backing and more and more of it that we're seeing that says writing uses more like with pen and paper uses more parts of your brain and um so but it people have to try and figure out what's best for them and is this spill over to like uh one of our our volunteers she she paints that's how she she mm. uses the colors she mm-hmm. uses these that's broad strokes and those kinds so it's not writing but she said that's how yeah when i see this i understand it 
she has and found she, what and works it's probably for her. only me that understands it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and colors are great because a blue, you might feel blue. And and how do you find the words for that? I feel mm-hmm. blue. So mm-hmm. to use those colors can help put the words to I'm very hurt, I'm very sad, I'm very lonely. Um, types of writing for loss and grief. I mean, there's letters. You can write a letter, dear, dear whoever. Um I, I journal in the morning. Journaling has so much research behind it, but that is my sanity. And my letter starts off, dear God. And if not, I would be thinking about my grocery list or whatever. It helps me focus and it helps me process. I walk home with a lot of grief at the end of the day. And sometimes I'm just exhausted. So I go to bed and then the next morning I have to really kind of work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, memoirs, writing down things that you remember. I always thought that like I, at, at funerals, like I want to have a great big bowl so that people can write things down and stick it in the bowl, like memories. I like it. And put it in there. And so he can go back when he's ready or my children and read those stories and he can take them out and edit some of them. But, um, well, you, you talk about that and, and, you know, I know it's a little different, but, uh, my father-in-law was one of my best friends yeah. and, and I wrote his, the eulogy Oh, and yes. Ashley and uh-huh. I, uh, we, we, you know, gave the eulogy to the, you know, to, to the, all his friends and, and uh, and it's funny. My sister was there, and she said there was not a single man. That's the first time she's gone to a funeral where every single man in that mm. um, in that church was crying. Mm-hmm. But it was a it wasn't a sad eulogy. Mm-mm. It was just celebrating his life, and mm-hmm. and it was a lot of we his, his nickname was Woody, and it was a lot of Woody isms. <laughs> and I still have that, and I go to it every once in a while just to. Remember, I love that, and I love that they're tears. Yeah, and I lost my mom and my dad. My mom when I was a, a teenager, but I find comfort just writing her name. So if I'm having a hard day, like I just put that on my paper in the in the margin because I too use pen and paper. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I like my different pens. I like the different colors and all that. And so, and I just write it. And I, sometimes it comes bold. Sometimes it's bubble letters. Um, but that's how if I'm going through a rough spot, like that's what I do. So, mm-hmm. so you're right. Like it's a, a little. Mm-hmm. little way to, to process. It is. Yeah. And, you know, there's um, reflection, just going back and looking back like you did, Joey. Mm-hmm. And and um, and then there's quotations. I mean, like, you don't want to forget those. You say, oh, right. I'll never forget them. I'll never forget that. And we forget them. Yeah. And then to, to write those down and to hear other people's perspectives is really wonderful to have. And then you can even, some people are like, I don't want to do all that. That sounds crazy. Well, then research. Dig in it. Be curious. Research life, research death, because the more we become comfortable with um, with loss, death, uh, then the more it's not as scary. And so I think in our culture that we are our our country, we do not talk about death as much. I mean, we have a lot of families that come in and they, they never talked about what you would want for the end of life. And it's because, I mean, in, in the faster pace and the joy that we, you know, we chase on social media, we kind of tend sometimes, I, I will say that some families, some people, myself included, I mean, it's sometimes you just don't talk about your own end of life. So I encourage that. Um, and then fiction, you can always just write a story. I mean, sometimes we just need that joy to go back and write a story that ends in a way that, I don't know, my story is going to, I lost my mom. I mm-hmm. lost my, you know, I've lost my, I've, I've had several losses, my father, my brother, my nephew, all different, um, all different situations. But, you know, the the story, like, I, I think I, I want to write a children's book, you know, because, like, I think there are, that's the way I can express mine are simple pictures, simple words. But I have stories in my head how I hope to see it end. 
um, and how I hope my kids and uh, my grand and the grandkids get to carry that on and nieces and nephews. So there's so many things that we can do, but tips to writing. Some people are like, I don't want to write. Some people mm-hmm. get a piece of paper in front of them and they don't know what to write or a blank screen. So here's and you're stuck. Yeah. yeah. And who wants to be stuck? Writing college is, papers. That was me. <laughs> and you've got stuff that you yeah. need to get out. Yeah. So just we'll just run through these real quick. But um, just don't think, just do it. Just feel and do. We don't, you know, I will say nobody's judging. Humans don't really like to feel that much if there's feelings that you don't aren't comfortable with. So, I mean, crying, I mean, like it is hard to cry and we, and you can watch people, we try to hold it back, but now I'm like, I'm crying. I do it more in my car. Loud crier, that's why. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, getting comfortable with that, uh, just start writing one sweep. Just start writing. Uh, another way is just keep moving forward. Don't go back and read what you wrote. You don't have to. You can just write, 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 and then you can burn it, throw it away. You don't have to keep it. Um, don't edit. Don't revise. Just make mistakes. Don't just let it go. Um, those are just some simple ways. Like, don't put thought into it. Just put the pen to the paper or fingers to the buttons and and start writing. I was going to say, if you're on social media, a lot of folks um, love the Facebook memories, like a lot of my friends, people who are in my, my circle, um, because they'll do memories from nine years ago mm-hmm. or six years ago, and those people aren't with us anymore, or that pet's no longer with us, and they'll just share it. And then later they say, did you see that? And I was like, I, it, but it's like a connection. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to talk about it, but... Yeah. I did notice, I did see, um, or we comment on it so that they see. But it's, you know, a form of communication without actually having to verbalize it if yeah. you don't want to, if you're not comfortable. Yeah, I love that. And and I think you're right. And so as we go on our journey into the forest, so I hope that everybody can understand that we all experience grief or people who around us and that we hold that, our bodies hold it. So But to bring it back to our donor families, our heroes, their families, recipients, um, that's one of the questions we always have is like, can I write to my, you know, to my my loved one's recipient Um, or can I write to my donor family? And the answer is yes. Yes. So transplant centers and organ procurement organizations across the United States. I do know that we all have our different ways of doing that. Um, I, for Louisiana, uh, LOPA, we just say, hey, look, when you're ready, we're here to help. And we have some great tips on our website. Um, you can go to lopa.org slash support and you want to scroll down and we have a sample letter to writing to your family um, or the recipient and we also have some tips and those tips are you know they're really simple because for us we feel like it is up to that individual that donor family or the recipient to write what they need to write and I, and I feel that when they sit down to write they will find the words they need to say. So we have seen where families just take a, a card and write, I'm thinking of you. Um, I'm open to, uh, sometimes it's just, I'm thinking of you. That was a light bulb moment for me because when, when I started and you were like, it could just be a simple note card. You write that on there and you and you sign it. And that's as simple as yeah. it needs to be. And I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, And then, and then that opens it up and then you, maybe next time you share a little bit more, but... Um, I guess I was like, oh, you have to fit in all your all your thoughts and everything that you've been doing. And you were like, no, and that's it's overwhelming. Right. Everybody yeah, wants yeah. it right. What is right? This is all about you're the one who knows your loved one best. So it's up to you to share that or you know yourself best. And um, so we asked, you know, you can always share your hobbies. You can share about your family. You can share, you know, about your work or your occupation or, the, I mean, or theirs if you're talking about your loved one. But we also um, encourage 
you know, families, if they want to send pictures, because sometimes they want the recipients to see this is my love. This is mm-hmm. this is who I honor. And um, and I've seen where people have written five page letters with pictures. So we work with whatever the family needs to work with um, the recipients. Same way. We don't edit. Now, other organizations may edit and other organizations may have you sign HIPAA forms. It, it, we just work with what we need to to try to get the communication to the next person. Because remember, this is all about connection. And um, we do have families that say, well, what if they don't write back? And and that may happen. So, you know, most times recipients, donor families do write back, but we always have that situation where maybe they don't feel comfortable. Um, we find that recipients, their biggest, I guess, challenge or block to writing is what I have found is they don't know how to say with simple words of thank you. Is Mm -hmm. it enough for the gift of life? I I agree with that. That's, that's the biggest thank you you could possibly say. And so how do you put that on paper? How do you put it in words and when's the right time? Everybody's always looking for the right, you know, the right time, not every, but just in general. And so we say, no, you know, you do it when you're ready. And we've even, you know, we have families 10 years later that are looking to write a letter to to connect. But, uh, and for us, we ask that it all starts through communication. So I hope that, you know, people will check out our website. I hope that people, if you're listening to this and you have questions, you know, give our family service a phone call. We're always ready to help um, and answer questions, support you, write the letters. We've had people who don't know how to write. So they express their words. We write them down. Then we forward the letter on. Um, we've had some people who just, I mean, I had a gentleman just recently who shared, um, some really beautiful stuff and he said, I just need them to know I'm so grateful. They said yes to accepting their, their loved one's gift. And he said, I have, they have to know, like, I'm just grateful. They said yes, because that life continued for that. Yeah, for that family. So um, I don't know. That kind of wraps it up. I I hope that people take away something from this, but that if anything, be curious. Be curious to what you're holding on to and know that grieving is healing. And so I, I said we'd come to that, but what is healing? And, you know, some people get mad when you say, oh, this will be healing. I'll never heal. Well, I'll never quit grieving my my mother as long as I'm alive, she'll never be with me and I will miss her. And the same as my other, you know, family members, my father, you know, they're always going to be with me and I carry them forward with me. But how I healed, I healed differently. And so that leaves scars on my heart. Um, people can't see that, but I carry them with me. And healing looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Just like grief is different for everyone. It's unique. It's a snowflake. And it's up to us to discover and explore and be curious about how we move forward. And I would suggest always looking for support. Um, Writing is just a way that you can start that process. And if it works for you and you find it comforting, helpful, healthy, then keep writing. You never know. You might write a book. So. Oh, I like that. All right, Nyla, thanks for letting us inside your heart and your brain for a little bit there. We appreciate that. Uh, More to come here on The Gifted Life, guys. It is time for our mental health moment here on The Gifted Life podcast. Yeah, Laurie, and I certainly love learning from Nyla. So this is kind of the Nyla learning hour here. (laughs) Uh, So 
So I, I'm not sure if Nyla can top what she did in our last uh, part of the podcast, but let's talk a little bit about hope, Nyla. <laughs> I hope I can. <laughs> hey, no, I just, you know, I, I just think hope is such a powerful word, and we use it a lot. Oh, I hope this works. Oh, I hope mm-hmm. we can make it happen. I hope. But I mean, it's there's more to it than that. And when you think about people that are high in hope, they're better in their physical health. Um, they have better mental health well-being. They live longer. They're happier lives. They see the world differently and they respond to the world that. differently. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's more than just optimism. It's believing in possibilities. And so there's a great article in Psychology Today. They, they have a, a monthly or bi-monthly uh, I don't, magazine. And um, it was just a great uh, article on hope. But it says, you know, some things that we can do to increase our hope. Um, it's like to set and achieve goals. So just short mini goals. Start with that. I mean, if you're not a great goal setter, just like I'm going to knock out three. It gives an example. I'm going to knock out three emails in 15 minutes. So it's just doing something achievable. Because I mean, I think that the point is that you're, you have an a, like a direction. And we and otherwise, I, I heard this once, like you could be a, a stick floating in in waves it just takes you where it wants to go and so with having goals then you're not just letting life push you around you're actually making effort Um, another one is just stick to positive people Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't be around negative people but this just encourages um, it just encourages new ideas uh, uh, support Um, it gives us a different way to look at things Mm -hmm. so it's again it's just it's just increasing our hope. Um, also, looking at uh, the present. If we stay grounded in the present, then we're, we're not getting lost or distracted. Um, self-reflection and being confident. But confident doesn't mean, oh, yeah, I know it all, which I know very little, but sometimes I feel like I'm going to try to be confident. It just means make mistakes and be and knowing that you you're okay if you make mistakes and forgiving yourself if you make mistakes um and then the last one is just a positive outlook it's more about allowing your circumstances not to direct your emotions i think there's so many times when things happen to us and what we feel we want to do because Mm -hmm. laurie at lunch we were kind of talking about how people's emotions can take over Mm -hmm. and they just follow it Mm-hmm. And then you could respond by with more emotions, but where's that going to lead you? So it's it's pulling away from that and saying, I'm not going to let the circumstances change that I'm going to have a good time here. I'm not going to let these circumstances change that I'm going to pursue my goal. I'm not going to let right, these circumstances yeah. stop me. I'm going to, you know, people with high hope tend to be more creative mm-hmm. because they're looking they're looking for the obstacle and they're looking at ways to move that obstacle or to go around the obstacle. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just things to think about. Curious. I keep saying be curious, but I, I just feel that there's not one way for anybody to do one thing. I think it's about I hope it is about believing in yourself and wanting to live the fullest life that we can live. I think it was David Kessler that said, you know, our life, we have a start and an end, and there's this period of time between it, whether it's very short or very Mm -hmm. long, but that is our life. And it's up to us to choose what we're going to do with that. I have hope, the word hope, those four letters on top of my, my notebook. Yes, uh, paper and pen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we worked with some LSU um, students 
who helped us promote donation. And they went around, they just did a survey, a survey just of random people in the quad, free speech alley and those kinds of things. And they said, describe donation in one word. And what do you think they said? Hope. Hope. (gasps) Yeah, they said hope. So H-O-P-E, but it was these young, educated students who were just trying to learn a little bit more. And that's what they equate donation Mm -hmm. with is is hope. So I kind of took that as mine too so funny you talked about that today yeah full circle and you know disclosure there's also you know you can be unrealistic hopeful but again we always go back to support because we are we are humans and we need that connection um the different perspectives can help you you know look at what your your goals are and your your hopes so but um you never want to take hope away from someone but definitely want to make sure that you're on track to move forward. All right. Great topic. Uh, Maybe you have something you'd like for us to discuss here on The Gifted Life. Feel free to email us info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment today, how long will it take before I hear from my loved one's recipients? Joe, who do you think should answer that? I mean, since this is the Nyla, Nyla show. show. <laughs> me, 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 please. <laughs> I think you are the best person to answer that. Uh, yeah, you know, this is such a great question. We hear it often. So whoever wrote in or sent this question in, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, we don't know. I mean, that's the that's the that's that's what we tell our family. So the nice thing, I know in Louisiana, how the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, what we will do is if you write to your family and we have not heard back from the family um, after, you know, s- uh, several months, because we want to give that recipient time to respond or our donor family, then we will try to check into it, you know, make sure the letter was received, make sure um, the family received it, see if how the recipient is doing mm-hmm. Um, see if we can get any information. But, you know, what we do is encourage that once you write to the recipient or to the donor family, that you think about the reason you're writing. If you're writing to get a response, there is no guarantee. If you're writing to have a relationship, we we don't know because donation is anonymous. And we don't know what the other person is going through or right. the other family is going through. So mm-hmm. it is just... It's I don't know. And we encourage people to make sure that when they write that letter, they are writing it with the intention, with the goal of sharing about their loved one. Or if it's, you know, a recipient wanting to say thank you, sharing their their gratitude. And we work through it with them. But just knowing that we don't know the answer to that. We appreciate your questions. Uh, and certainly if you have a question, give us a call. 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Cinnamon Jordan. This was submitted by Cinnamon's family. This is a sad time for my loved ones that I left behind. But do not worry about me, because I am in a better place. I leave you with a part of me, a gift of life, to set in motion an invaluable price. We pause and say thank you to Cinnamon for the gift of life. is going to do it for episode 215 of The Gifted Life. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We thank you for listening, guys. And remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime. Register me, 
Org. And of course, special thanks to Nyla Schwab, <gasps> our very own. So great. Good job. Yeah, the Nyla uh, show, as we said <laughs> earlier. You know, but it was great for her to come and share, you know, how valuable, yeah. yeah, how valuable, you know, just writing about grief and communicating your grief, uh, how that, uh, valuable that is in your grief journey and how much of a positive impact it can make. Yeah. I, have, I, I I hope that someone can take a nugget away from anything that we've had to say. I mean, I don't pull all this information from just me. It's just from resources that I find. And um, it's, you know, keep trying and talk to people, work with people and find what works best for you. And a good insight into um, a valuable resource that all of our families have, because they always say, oh, that that voice. I don't have a face for it yet, but I, I know that voice, that comforting voice. Um, which is Nyla and our Family Services crew. So we appreciate you. The best place to find us, guys, is at our website, thegiftedlife.org. Listen there and find links on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you do listen to Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others to find us. And on social media, we're on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at gifted life pod check us out there share your stories and again thanks for listening tell other people uh, to also learn here on the gifted life podcast our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen until next time guys this is a production of the louisiana organ procurement agency or lopa The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Nyla Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.